This episode of Warp 5 is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad and iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hi, I'm Anthony Montgomery, Ensign Travis Mayweather on Star Trek Enterprise, and you're listening to Trek FM. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Warp 5, our dedicated Enterprise show. I'm Christopher Jones, and today, instead of our usual discussion format, I'm going to share with you an interview with actress Crystal Allen, who played the Orion slave girl Dinesh in the fourth season episode, Bound. Enterprise brought back Orion slave girls, which we had not seen since the original series in Whom Gods Destroy. Of course, they were talked about a lot on DS9, due to their popularity in Quark's Hollow Suites, and they were mentioned in episodes like The Begotten and In the Pale Moonlight. But as Enterprise did with so many things from TOS, this appearance put a very interesting twist on a familiar theme. In the episode Bound, the Enterprise is on a mission to identify a site for Starfleet's first starbase when they encounter a ship from the Orion Syndicate. The Orion captain invites Archer and Reed aboard and introduces them to three slave girls. These are the sisters Navar, Dinesh, and Maras, who are then given to Archer as a gift and then brought back over to the NX-01. It has been long known in Star Trek that Orion slave girls can drive men mad. In fact, Commodore Mendez said in the Menagerie that they're like animals, vicious, seductive. They say no human male can resist them. This turns out to be true in Bound as well. But there is a unique twist. Enterprise reveals that it isn't the women who are slaves, but rather the men. Relax, Captain. Enjoy the ride. We're not going anywhere. I'm afraid you have an appointment with a pair of Orion marauders. (laughs) I don't intend to keep them waiting. Release my ship. I can see you're upset. And I sympathize, but it's truly out of my hands. We are both slaves to the situation. They control you? You finally realize that? Yes, Captain, you've been operating under a misconception. It is the men who are the slaves, not the women. It turns out that Orion society is a little more complicated than we first thought. Now, Crystal Allen plays Dinesh, the youngest sister. Here's a clip. Dr. Phlox believes that prolonged exposure to your pheromones makes men delusional and extremely vulnerable to suggestion. That's how you convince Kelby to sabotage our engines. Your crewmen acted alone. 
I had nothing to do with it. So how did Crystal Allen come to play this role? Let's find out. But before we jump into the interview, please note that Crystal joined me by phone. So please excuse the difference in sound quality compared to our usual shows. I hope you'll enjoy learning more about Crystal Allen. Hello, Crystal. Welcome to the show, and thanks so much for joining me here today. Thank you so much, Chris. Fans of Enterprise and Star Trek will know you as Dinesh, the Orion slave girl from the fourth season episode, Bound. Crystal, I don't know if you know, but you know Dinesh has gone on to become a real key figure in the Star Trek novels in the extended universe. Dinesh? Yeah. I did not know that at all. She is sort of the brains behind the whole Orion operations there. Oh, you're kidding. Wow. I um, I did not know that. I thought it was uh, the leader, although I, I, my character, I played a little dumb, but I was actually really smart underneath that whole thought. <laughs> Maybe that makes sense then. It does. That's what they've picked up on, that that was all an act. That was my idea, actually, to come at it that way, um, only because the other sister was, you know, seemed very bright and, you know, very strong. And I just wanted to play it a little differently. You kind of use a different tack <laughs> to get what I wanted on the ship. That's very clever, and it added a lot to the story. What What was your inspiration for that? Um, honestly, I, I, I'm trying to remember. You know, we shot it back, I guess it was 2004 or five. I mean, it's been so long, but it was one of my mm-hmm. first jobs in L.A. And I think when I got on the set and I got the makeup, and, and, and you got in these crazy you know, clothing, which was very, very revealing. I don't know. I just, I guess that added a little bit of like sex appeal. And then I guess I wanted to play it down. So I wanted to play that like just very naive girl that doesn't really like a likable person, you know, that doesn't really come across as evil, but interested and, but then very, you know, but it's all, it's all an act. Likeable. It's like, I guess what I, I wanted to be was likable. Exactly. I didn't want to be a mean character. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And that plays in really well to what they were doing with the Orion Slave Girls and Enterprise as well. Oh. Well, before we talk more about Dinesh, I wanted to hear a little bit about your background. Uh, again, our listeners know you from this episode, but it's just a blip on the radar of your whole career in TV and film. And then I know before that you studied dance, uh, you modeled You've done a lot of things. Tell us a little bit of your background and also how you broke into acting. You said this was one of your first jobs there in L.A. Yeah, well, what happened was I, I started off as a, as a dancer. I did um, shows, Broadway-type shows um, in Japan and in and Monaco. I did, like, big shows for Elton John and Liza Minnelli. Oh, we wow. did, like, a musical review. It was really fun. It was, it was a great experience. I mean, it, I trained as a dancer as a child and went into my teens with it and then did it professionally only for a short time, but it gave me the discipline to, to, to go into the acting because I was already up in front of people on stage and I figured being a dancer, you don't really make that much money. It, it was sort of kind of right. limited. And I and then modeling kind of fell in my lap. So I started modeling, tra- traveling around the world with modeling, lived in New York City. But my heart was really an- in acting, and I always wanted to try it. So I got myself an agent, or my agent sent me on a couple things. And I, and I ended up getting, like, Sopranos and, like, Sex and the City. And I did a little movie with J-Lo in New York City. That's how I started. And then I came over here in 2004. So okay. 
I guess I started just with little bits, you know, little guest stars, I guess you could say, or co-stars on TV, and I built up a little demo reel, and I came over to L.A., and I got myself an agent. And literally, I think that was my first guest star was being on Enterprise. That was, one, like, they call it top of the show, like when you advance right. from, like, being a co-star actress to getting, like, a, a full guest star, guest star credit. Right. So that was what I, that's interesting because it it really set me into a run of, you know, guest starring roles. Yeah, it did. I think Star Trek has that power. Like if you do a guest role on Star Trek, it, it seems to propel a lot of people on to, to a lot of other guest roles like that and then perhaps eventually, you know, leading roles as well. Yeah, you're right. It does. I, I mean, all the people I know that have played characters on, on Enterprise or maybe another maybe Voyager or something, some other um, series, they really have had great careers. I mean, especially in the sci-fi world. Like, they'll, they'll go off and they'll do, you know, something for the sci-fi channel, which I've done, a bunch of stuff. So it really puts you in a nice category as a sci-fi fan base, which is, they're so loyal. And you can always do the conventions, which are always so fun. You know, and things Absolutely. are slow. I love doing them. Let me ask you another question. Now, a few months before you filmed Bound, I know that you did a guest spot on Boston Legal. So you got to meet William Shatner, I suppose, before yeah. you actually did your Star Trek spot. Yeah, I did. You know, it was, you know, I, I guess I did Star Trek and then I realized, oh my God, I should tell him I did Star Trek or something. I don't even remember if I did tell him. But anyway, <laughs> he was in the dressing room with me and he was just a total flirt, of course. Oh, I bet. It's not the dressing room, the makeup room, and uh, Boston Legal. And I, I only I worked with Candace Bergen for the scene, but he was definitely um, in the scene right after me. So we were chatting, and he was flirting. And I don't even think I did. I mention I was on Enterprise. Oh, I don't know. I can't remember. But he was a charmer. Nothing bad to say about him. He's a sweetie. Working with Candace Bergen must have been a lot of fun too. Yeah, it was actually her first day of being on the show so she, I think she was a little nervous Oh wow! Yeah. but man when the cameras start rolling she was on fire I mean that woman is a true comedic actress I was like wow I was blown away yeah I grew up watching her so th that's cool she's awesome when I scene was with her she fired me <laughs> like on Murphy Brown <laughs> you know oh yeah well, so, so you did that, and you landed the role of Dinesh. And as you just mentioned, you studied dance from when you were a child. And I was curious about the first time that we see Dinesh inbound is with the three sisters, and it's a scene involving dance. Did the experience with your dance background, did that play any part in your casting in this episode? I, I definitely. I, I really think it did because the other two girls were also – trained dancers you can tell yeah yeah in the casting i really think they looked at that on our resumes they didn't actually have a dance but i, I think mm -hmm. they do remember asking me oh you're a dancer and i'm like yeah i danced for 14 years blah 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 and I, 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 check mark she can pull a move if we do choreography for hours and hours a day she can um get it together so yeah it really helps i mean and as you can see we're all pretty good dancers i mean we, we know you what are we're doing. yeah you mentioned choreography for hours a day. Did you actually do that? Because that is a rather complex dance. How long did it take to, to pull that all together? Oh, my God. It was a lot of work. Um, we did at least three or four days of rehearsals before we even got our costumes on in the dance mm -hmm. 
rehearsed on at Paramount in front of a mirror. So yeah, it was, a lot of thought was put into that, and the choreographers were amazing. It all turned out so good. Yeah, it did turn out really well. What was the overall process of landing the role of Dinesh on Enterprise? How did you actually get brought in, and how long did it take you to be cast? Well, I just remember walking into an audition, and I didn't really think anything of it. It was just like any other audition. I worked on it. I made some choices, and I did my thing, and I got a phone call. You booked the role, and it was very exciting And until they said that I had to be covered head-to-toe in green makeup. I was like, what? I was like, wait, what? Like, I didn't think anything of it. I was like, yeah, I booked Star Trek. And people are like, Star Trek's on the air still? And I'm like, yeah, I guess it's on UPN or something. I was like, I've never seen the show. I literally, I the only Star Trek things I've seen is the original. Back, you know, when the original series was on, as a child maybe I saw, I liked Spock. But... Other than that, I was like, oh, I guess Star Trek's still in the air. <laughs> so when I booked it, I had no clue that it would it would be such a big deal, and I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, the hours of makeup was not fun. I mean, walking into Paramount Studios in the middle of February was quite chilly in the morning, 7 a.m., and, get, you know, being airbrushed from head to toe, five hours for, like, wow. seven or eight days. You know, it just, it got, it was fun at first, but then it's like, Everywhere you touch, they're touching you up, and you couldn't do anything. You couldn't even, you know, it was just, it was a little gross, but it was fun. When we got our costumes on and we did the dance, that was really fun. It made it all worthwhile. And this made you feel that in the future, if you're going to take a sci-fi role, you're going to check and find out if you have to be painted up every day? Yeah. Yeah. In fact, (laughs) you know, it's funny that you mentioned this um, because I just, they called me some producers that were doing a, a, actually a new movie. It's a spoof. It's a comedy. It's called Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Right, and they called I know me up one. a couple months ago. You've heard about it? Yeah. Well, they called me up and they're like, um, Crystal, we want to have you come in and be the green girl again. Do you want to do that? And I'm like, well, what do you mean green? Like head to toe? And they're like, you know what? No, we're just going to do the, the head and the, and the neck and the, I guess, the hands. And then we're going to put you in like this sort of green leotard. <laughs> And so I was like, okay, okay, I'll do it if it's only that. But I don't know if I would have done it head to toe. I don't know. I mean, I thought about doing it for the conventions. Menina and I have actually talked about it. Menina Fortunato, the other green girl, we've talked about, you know, getting together and doing a choreographed dance for one of the conventions. Oh, that would be cool. So, yeah, I've heard about Unbelievable. I've actually had uh, Tim Russ on one of my other shows and also... Mano Intereme, who's in there as well. And they've both told mm-hmm. us about this project as well. It's really like an all-star cast. I know, right? Like everyone from Star Trek and other science fiction properties as well. It's amazing. Yeah, and I know a lot of them. Like I know Tim and Garrett and Chase. Like I, wor- I worked with all of them on Of Gods and Men. And so, I, and I've done a lot of work with Tim Russ. Um, he's, he's hired me for about a bunch of different like shorts that we've done together. Mm-hmm. And he's such a great director and also a phenomenal actor. So we're, we always see each other at functions and stuff, and we always end up working together on something. So it's like a little family. Yeah, Tim Russ is a, a super cool guy. Very, very easy to talk to. Yeah. You mentioned of Gods and Men. You played Yara, the navigator, 
in that. How did that differ for you from being on Enterprise with it being another Star Trek gig? Um, it was actually a very low budget. <laughs> so from going from Paramount to having, you know, full-on makeup and hair, everything's organized, to going to the middle of New York City, not the middle of New York northern New York, in the summer where it was sweltering and humid into a little, tiny little, I guess it was like a, it was a set that they had built for a show, um, some type of little fan show that they did. And this guy actually recreated the entire original bridge. So we used that set and, but it was just, the conditions were really, really hectic. It was so hot. They had no air conditioning and we were all suffering, but I didn't have to be green. Chase actually had to be green. Chase after them. Right. So she was being painted green, and I just had this little, you know, headpiece that I had to put on. And with a little makeup, it wasn't that big of a deal. I liked it. My little role as a navigator, I'd never played a navigator before, so um, that was challenging. <laughs> the Nash was much more fun. Of Gods and Men has become sort of the, what do I want to say? It's like the... There are so many fan films these days and sort of up at the top of that, it's not the the very first one, but Of Gods and Men is one of the the films that gave the push, I think, for fan films yeah, to really to up their level, to be, to be, I know people do them on a budget, but when you see it on the screen, you feel like mm-hmm. you know, these are real professionals doing this and they're putting together something that's, that's very great for us. Yeah, it was... I- Again, like I was, ha- I was happy to go to New York and, and be a part of it. It was, it was a great storyline. There's some beautiful um, moments, some intense moments on the set, which you can see in the film that it really comes through. Well, speaking of being on the set, when we talk to actors and producers about Star Trek, we often hear a lot of fun and interesting moments of things that happen on the set. And there are often things that we certainly don't know about unless we go to conventions. And I've even heard a lot right. of stuff that I've never heard there either that happened on the set. Were there any interesting things that happened to you when you were shooting Bound? Um, let's see. <laughs> just the fact that we were walking around as these green girls on the set, half naked, really. It was mm-hmm. a little uncomfortable, I have to say. You know, we did have some, some of the set guys were gawking a little bit and just, Kind of made things a little uncomfortable, and the way we had to dance, there was some. Let's just say that that day we did the dance. We were a very popular group on the set. (laughs) You know what I mean? I bet. Like all the grips and you know the sound guys were were enjoying themselves. I'm sure. You know, I I think that was that. But you know, everybody was so cool. Scott Bakula, who was so wonderful, and everyone else in the cast, and we just laughed the entire time. We were joking around. But it was funny because none of us, none of them really knew who we, what we looked like, right? Because we were always green with this dark right. hair, and I was a blonde. I looked nothing like my character. You know, we all looked completely different, and so it was sort of weird and incognito, like just talking to people and they're just chatting with us and they're thinking, "What do we really look like in person?" You know? So I'd run into them and I'm like, "It's Crystal. I was the green girl." Oh, yes, of course. You know, it's just fun. That, so that part of it was interesting because we were always green, you know, and I don't think anybody really knew the true us until maybe they saw us at the convention. But everyone made us feel really comfortable, especially Scott. He was great. Yeah, he seems like the, if if I were an actor and I were working on 
a TV show, I would definitely want to be on with Scott Bakula. It just seems, and this is what I hear from people, but I can tell this too, just listening to him talk and watching him, that he's the person who's going to take care of you as a member of his cast, that he's just there for everybody. Yeah, yeah. And he's such a nice guy. I see him at a lot of, at least once a year, like maybe at the SAG Awards. And I always say hello, mm-hmm. and we always have a laugh about that day. We shot the dance movements where he had to sit there and watch us. But he's a family guy. He has, he loves, he's always very affectionate with his wife, and he's got great kids. And he's just a, he, you know, he's a focused actor. He's had a beautiful career. I mean, that's what everybody wants, is that steady, he's always working. He's got a good energy. Well, when you're like Scott Bakula, you're going to work constantly because everyone's going to want you on their yeah. job. Yeah, well, he's got a huge following, right? He really, really does. He's also very funny. <laughs> he is, yeah. Yeah. Which doesn't always come through on Enterprise with the character of Archer. But if you see any behind the scenes of what's going on on Enterprise, the Blu-rays have been great for that, by the way, because you really get to see the personality of everyone. Oh, really? He is very funny. Yeah, they're all, they're actually, all of them are hysterical. <laughs> Every single one of those guys were so funny on the set, I have to say. They're always cracking jokes. I mean, they're a family, you know. Well, beyond Enterprise here, I wanted to ask you about a few of your other interests because you mentioned up front that you did modeling and you traveled all around the world and you came to Japan, which is actually where I am. Yeah, I used to live in Sendai, briefly. Um, I was doing oh, did you? A, okay. a, a show there. This is when I was dancing. This was back in 1997, I think. But yeah, it was. I, I enjoyed it. I love the food. Well, that's what I want to ask you about is food, because I understand that you enjoy preparing dinner parties for people. And I'd like to know what are your favorite cuisines to prepare? And did did this interest grow out of all of these world travels that you had as a model and a dancer? Yeah, I guess it did, because when I started traveling and eating different foods, I I would be in this model house, a beautiful model house in like Camp Spay in South Africa, Cape Town. And I would, like, just start cooking for all the models. And we'd all sit around and have family night. Because, you know, we were all far away from our families and sort of all just new friends. And I would just cook. And I started doing that. And the more I traveled, the more recipes I got in my pocket. And my mom used to own a restaurant and, um, like, a tea catering tea house, which also did catering. So I grew up sort of around my mother cooking a lot. So it was second nature to me. And... The dinner party thing, I, I just do as a hobby, but I love mm-hmm. to cook French food. In fact, I made a, I had a, my friend's birthday party here for about 15 or 16 people sit down dinner, and I did beef bourguignon, which was really good. <laughs> and I like to cook like bouillabaisse, and um, I love pasta, I love Italian. And then I, I could do a theme night where it's like Greek night, and I'll do like a moussaka or, you know, an octopus grilled mm-hmm. with lemon, you know, just fun stuff like that. Or I'll do a Spanish tapa night. I love to cook. It's fun. Do you do your pasta yourself from scratch? Cut it cut it, and everything? No, I, I don't do that. There's so many people that are on this gluten-free thing. Ah, uh, yeah. So I end up using, um, I usually go get, there's a couple pot, really nice places in Burbank where I can find really good homemade pasta. But um, no, I can't do the whole doing it myself and stuff. No, that just seems too messy mm-hmm. and tedious when you can <laughs> get it, you know, from the store. It kind of is. It's interesting here to see if you go to a soba shop and you can actually watch them prepare the soba noodles Ooh, uh, and, okay. and mash them out and then cut them. And my children actually have learned how to do it as well, which is, is 
fun. Oh, I love, I miss that, the culture and the, the soups and the food. It's just so good. It's yummy. Well, that's really interesting with the food. Have you ever thought about in the future opening a restaurant? You know, some actors like Sirach Lofton, of course, who played Jake on Deep Space Nine, has a restaurant in L.A. now. Okay. Have you thought about doing that in the future? You know, I I have. I, I think that's kind of like one of my dreams. But it, there's just so much time that you'd have to put in the beginning of opening it. But, yeah, you know, my mom, she didn't open up her little restaurant until she was sort of almost halfway retired too. It's almost like something she'd always wanted to do. So I don't really think that there is a time length on that. I think I have plenty of time and I've got some things I want to do before that. But yeah, I would, I, I wouldn't that be fun to just have a little restaurant and have just all your friends come in and ref- you get referrals and word gets around and everybody comes and supports you. Cause I've managed to get quite a group of really good people who love food in, in LA so I could definitely do well with the support of, you know, people that love to come and have nice food. Yeah, why not? But, you know, it just seems like I'd have to get a big loan or something, right? In your case, I mean, L.A., you have a great location. And as you said, you already have these people who, who love the food. Yeah. And if you can do it as, so it's really a joy for you. Like, you're not out there trying to get customers to come in just to keep the doors open. Yeah. But it's something that you're doing for your love of food and the people who appreciate it. It could be a really rewarding thing. You're right. I should think more about that. I mean, it just, I think it, I think it would be great. And I have friends that could probably go in with me on it. So you get people on board. I mean, you can find people that want to, if you have a great idea, you know, little French bistro somewhere, I'm sure could need at the Grove or something. I know there's one there, but. (laughs) That would be cool. Yeah. Well, you have a lot of time before you get to a potential restaurant in the future. And right now you're working on all kinds of other things. So before we wrap up here, what are you working on right now? Is there anything that we should be on the lookout for? Um, I just I just did a little web series called Canucks with all Canadian cast because I'm Canadian. And we just was really, really fun. It's really funny. We um, got funded through Kickstarter, which was great. It wasn't. It's not a huge budget, but thirty thousand dollars in a month from oh, Kickstarter to to actually yeah. shoot the shoot the series. So that is coming up. I don't know where, but I'll I'll tweet about it. I'll keep everybody posted with that. And then also, oh, Monday I'm on Castle. Um, I think they have on TNT. Uh, my episode of Castle airs twice. I think once at noon and once at six o'clock. Okay, so that'll be Monday, May 26th. Yeah. Good. Yeah, this show is going to drop on May 23rd, so that gives people oh, a heads perfect. up to yeah. go watch you on Castle. Yeah, you can watch me get kicked off a chair by Beckett. <laughs> it's an intense okay. scene. I love it. It's it's a really good scene. I have dark hair in there in that scene, but I'm blonde. I'm back to blonde now. But you're not green, right? I'm not green. I'm just I'm just badass. I'm dark hair and <laughs> badass. It's fun. Yeah, and then I guess Unbelievable is coming out whenever it comes out. I'm sure you guys will find out about it. But again, I've got my it, It's Crystal Allen Twitter account. And then I have on Instagram, Crystal Allen 13. Fun little stuff that I keep posting. You know, I think that's really, it, it's a lot of auditioning. I've got a couple commercials coming out. Well, eventually you'll have to come over here to Japan and do a whiskey commercial like Leonardo DiCaprio is doing right now. And of course, Bill Murray did in Lost in Translation. Yeah. Is that what everybody does? Or they do like... Apparently. Whiskey or watch or maybe... Or cars. 
or cars. Yeah. About right? how, how long ago was it? It was a long time ago, actually. It was like maybe 15 years or so ago. Leonardo, it was right after Titanic. Leonardo DiCaprio used to do the commercials for the car here called Wagon R. And they would open up the hatch on the back and Leonardo would come out and go, Wagon R with a thumbs up. <laughs> no way. That's so yes. funny. Hey, it pays the bills, man. Right? I mean, those are good campaigns. Wouldn't mind having one of those. And people love it here. So it's great for your yeah. exposure. Yeah, Japan. I mean, I remember people like in Sendai, there were like girls that would come up to me and ask me for a photo. And I'm like, first of all, I, was, I wasn't I was even an actress at that point. I was just a dancer. So cute. So sweet. Loved my experience in Japan. Well, this was great talking to you tonight about enterprise and and all the other things that we discussed with your dance with your cooking i hope everyone will go check out your instagram and your twitter there and i i really appreciate you taking some time out for me tonight crystal absolutely anytime chris it was was really nice chatting with you (laughs) thanks you too well there you go a little background to dinesh and another case where i feel that enterprise took an element from tos and brought it to life By giving the Orion slave girls a backstory like this, and not just portraying them as the animals that Commodore Mendez spoke of, Enterprise made the Star Trek universe a bit richer. You can even follow the continuing plots of Dinesh and her sisters in Christopher L. Bennett's novel, Rise of the Federation, A Choice of Futures, which is an excellent novel, by the way, as is its follow-up, Tower of Babel, which chart the course of the founding of the Federation. And Dinesh and her sisters do play a role in that, especially in A Choice of Futures. We've actually covered both of those books on literary treks. So if you read them, be sure to check out literary treks as well when you're done. And you'll find both of those shows where Matthew Rushing and I talk all about the books. And as Crystal mentioned, if you'd like to follow her on Twitter, her username is It's Crystal Allen. Just like it sounds, no apostrophe there. I-T-S-C-R-Y-S-T-A-L. A-L-L-E-N. Well, it's been fun chatting with Crystal today, but this is not the only thing that we've been talking about here on the network over the past week. So here's a quick look at some of the other things you may have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit. Arena Commentary. They're like, everything is fine. It's, there's nothing. Just come down. We have fried chicken. <laughs> it's good. Earl Grey. Picard's romances. You say it's not great, Philip, but what I think you mean is it's probably one of the most forgettable episodes of the <laughs> entire series. <laughs> the Ready Room. They're on you in war. That was, what, the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth episode of the original series. Lawrence Schneider, he invents the Romulans. That was the whole the whole genesis of it. And if they'd known that the Romulans might have been a recurring alien, they might not have given them those, you know, quote unquote expensive helmets. The orb. We find out and Quark finds out as we're talking about how he reacts and sort of comes to terms with what his mother's doing. She's the woman behind the curtain. She's the person who is calling the shots at the highest level of Ferengi society. To the journey! Ultimate Season 5 Marathon. You could argue brother and sister, but maybe more like your favorite uncle, who you once had a sex dream about. I don't know. <laughs> so that explains persistence of vision. <laughs> yeah. Warp 5. Archer's Lost Loves. 
not dodge so much. It's just he's unsure of himself in that in that regard. He can be a starship captain, but a guy in love, mm, I don't know about that. Commentary, Trek stars. The TNG Companion. He secretly doesn't know every time he replies to me on Twitter, I let out let a little fan squeal on the other end. I play it cool, though. I play it cool, guys. Um, no, I'm, I'm the same exact way, but I don't play it cool. By little fan squeal, you mean that sound Chekhov made. In the <laughs> continuing mission. The continuing mission audio drama. Our writer, David Raines, is a huge Lovecraft fan. And all of these Lovecraftian creatures are from outer space and you know the star trek characters they're always running into you know these godlike beings but yeah you know, they've been now well they're not benevolent but you know they speak english and you know they look like william campbell and literary treks serpents among the ruins will always help paris <laughs> wow you just destroyed one of my favorite lines from my favorite movie ever. Huh. We'll always have Iron Mike <laughs> oh, Paris. God. All right. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out all of these shows and find out what we're talking about in your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe. You'll find them pretty much anywhere you get your podcast, whether that's iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Windows Phone, Xbox, Zune. We're on BlackBerry as well. We're also on Swell, which is like the Pandora for podcasts. And you can go to our website and you can stream there or grab the RSS feed and drop that into your favorite podcatcher. And also, if you want an easy way to sample all of the shows on the network, you can subscribe to the Trek Film Complete Master Feed, which is available on iTunes, on Stitcher, TuneIn, Swell. It's all around. And that gives you every episode of every show we do in a single feed. So if you listen to multiple shows, or if you're just curious about what we're talking about on shows you don't subscribe to, give that feed a try. I think you'll really enjoy it. If you'd like to send us feedback on today's show, on Dinesh or Enterprise or really anything Star Trek, I'd love to hear from you, and there are a number of ways that you can do that. You can go to our website at trek.fm slash contact. There's a form there. Choose to send to a show and choose Warp 5, and that will come to me by email. You can also send me a voicemail through our website. If you go to the show page for this episode, in the left sidebar, you'll see an item that says send us voicemail. All you need to do is click that, and you can use your webcam's microphone to record a message and upload it right there from the page. You can also catch us on social media. Our username on Twitter is TrekFM. You'll find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash TrekFM. We also have a Google Plus community, which you'll find if you search G Plus communities for Trek.FM. The URL is very long. Or you can find our brand page on there at plus TrekFM. That might help you get there as well. And also we have traditional forums on our website at Trek.FM slash forums. Before I let you go, I'd like to tell you about our sponsor for today's show, Audible.com, the best source for audiobooks that you'll find anywhere online. Audible has over 150,000 titles waiting for you right now, whether those are new releases or classics or Star Trek books, pretty much anything that you want to listen to, any genre, they have it right there, and they add hundreds of new books every single week. As a Trek FM listener, we have a special offer for you. You can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial to see just how great Audible is. Go to audibletrial.com slash trekafilm and sign up. Choose any book you want absolutely free. If at the end of the trial you decide not to stick with Audible, there's nothing to lose because you get to keep that book. But if you like podcasts, I know you're going to love audiobooks. I've been getting mine from Audible for 14 years now, 
which is kind of scary to think that I have been putting books on my computer and my devices for that long. My old creative player long before the iPod was ever around. But, but they're great. I, I love Audible, and I know you are going to love them as well. So go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Try them out. Your support of Audible helps us keep Warp 5 coming to you every week, and we really thank Audible for their support of the show and the network. Also, if you love this smooth jazz version of Where My Heart Will Take Me that we use here on Warp 5, many people like it better than the version used on the television show itself, you're going to want to pick up Andrew Allen's album, Smooth Federation. Andrew has this plus nine other jazz renditions of music from across Star Trek on that album. So go pick it up in iTunes or on Amazon. It's really great stuff there by Andrew. I have the album. I listen to it all the time. Of course, I love jazz. I used to play jazz. What can be better? Jazz and Star Trek. You might think they don't go together, but they do. Just ask Vic Fontaine. And also ask Andrew. Go check out his album. Well, that's all we have for you today, everyone. Thanks so much to Crystal for setting aside some time in her busy evening to talk to me and to share with all of you the background of Dinesh. I hope you enjoyed listening and join me again next week here in the Decon Chamber for another episode of Warp 5. 